welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here among us, that your spirit is among us. Thank you that we get to gather together on this rainy morning, Lord, as your people, as your family. And I thank you, Lord, that you have things to say to each one of us, God. So I just pray, even for myself, Lord, that we would all have open hearts just to receive every single thing that you have for us this morning, Lord. Thank you that that you want to speak, Lord. And so we want to lean in this morning to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. How's everyone going? You good? You dried off after (laughs) coming in on this rainy day? Okay, so we are in week three of our series in Exodus. We're going through four chapters of the book of Exodus, and so far we've had chapters 32 and 33. And in the first week, if you missed it, it was all about compromise Um, We jumped in to Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness and they just made a covenant with God, an agreement with him to be his people. And Moses was still up the mountain chatting with God, um, getting things sorted out and the people down below got impatient and they decided to make a God for themselves and worship it. And so God says to Moses, hey, you better get down there and sort them out. Things are not going well. So Moses heads down with the stone tablets that have the terms of the agreement that they've just all agreed upon and he sees what's going on and he's so, he's livid and the tablets get smashed. I don't blame him. Um, And then we also learned we can't judge the Israelites, even though it seems like they're dumb for what they did, because we too have been unfaithful to God and so um, we learned also that there's a cost to compromise Last week, we looked at being set apart as God's people and how that's still a call for us as followers of Jesus today. So today, we are up to chapter 34 in Exodus. Now, if you don't know much about Exodus, it is early on in, um, in the story of God and his people. It's the second book of the Bible in the section we call the Old Testament. If you have a Bible, grab it out. If it's on your phone, get it out. We're going to read lots of scripture today. Um, but if you don't have your own Bible, the words will come up on the screen. So we are going to jump in, Exodus 34. And I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation today, just in case you're wondering. We're going to start from verse 1. Then the Lord told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. I feel like that's like a little bit of an uppercut. (laughs) You smashed them. We have to make some more. I might be reading into that. Um, Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. 
I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, O Lord, if it is true that I found favour with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and sin. Claim us as your own special possession. The Lord replied, listen, I'm making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I'll perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today, and then I will go ahead of you and drive out the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. All the ites. So today we are talking about covenant. It's what God was re-establishing with his people here in chapter 34. So it's important we get a good understanding of what a covenant actually is. A covenant is an agreement between two parties where each party has conditions that they must meet for the duration of the covenant. A definition could read, the establishment of a relationship not already naturally existing, which is sanctioned by ceremony and oath. It's usually a formal, solemn and binding agreement. It's very serious. Now, one of the best examples that I feel like I can give you of a covenant is marriage. Marriage is the coming together of two people that is formalised in a ceremony and includes promises and agreements. Um, We just call them vows. And when we declare these vows, it's agreed upon that the covenant stands until death. Now, it's actually really appropriate for me to use this example with you today because just this week on Thursday, Dan and I celebrated 21 years married. Yes, thank you. When we got married all those years ago, all those years ago, we made promises to one another about how we would treat one another. And we also included God in our vows because we wanted to make him a part of our married life too. Now, I thought... Instead of just reading the vows to you that we made to each other on that day, I thought maybe I'd show you a small clip from our wedding DVD. So um, let's head to that. This is a treat. According to the teaching of Christ, marriage is to be a permanent relationship with one man and one woman, freely and totally committed to each other as companions for life. And you take this woman to be your wife, to live together in marriage, that you comfort her, honour her, keep her in sickness and health, and forsake all others, be committed to her as long as you both shall be. Listen. You take this man to be your husband, to live together in marriage, we love him, comfort him, Honour and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others be committed to him as long as you both shall live. 
Daniel, this is, please hold each other's hands as you come to exchange your vows. These are the vows that Daniel and Melissa have written for each other for this day. In the presence of God, in the presence of God, and before these families and friends, and in the family of I take you Melissa to be my wife. I take you Melissa to be my wife. Promising to be your loving and faithful husband. Promising to be your loving and faithful husband. In all of life's circumstances. In all of life's circumstances. I promise to love, honor, and cherish you. I promise to love, honor, and cherish you. To forgive, encourage, and pray for you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. I give you this ring. I give you this ring. As a symbol of the promises. As a symbol of the promises. We have made you. We have made you today. With my body, my body. With my body, my body. All that I am, I give to you. All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. All that I have, I share with you. So in the love of God. So in the love of God. Since Daniel and Elizabeth have consented to join together in marriage, in the presence of God and this attempt of family and friends, and have placed their mutual love for each other, and have symbolized this by the giving and receiving of rings and joining hands, I declare that they are husband and wife, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Great, we can finish that there and I'll give you a moment to just get over the frosted tips and the eyebrow ring and we can get back to the Word of God, right? It's good. So, covenant. This is what we're talking about. Earlier in Exodus chapter 19, Israel is first invited to be in covenant relationship with God. They were going to be God's representatives to all other nations. They were God's special possession among all peoples, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were to be set apart, walking with God as his chosen people. In chapter 20, which is one of the extra readings this week for our, um, our prayer and fasting, if you've read it, you'll know that's where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. They were the covenant demands that Israel agreed to uphold. And in exchange, God would be their God and look after them and bless them. Now here in chapter 34, we see even though the Israelites had just broken their agreement... God is wanting to re-establish the covenant with them. So I just want to give you some perspective. This is like, imagine there's a couple that have just been married and they're on their honeymoon and one of the spouses cheats. And the person who's just been cheated on, their response is, I'm committed to this marriage, let's go and renew our vows. That's what this is like. It's a big deal. It would have been totally reasonable for God to just terminate the, terminate the agreement um, because of what the Israelites did. And he was actually going to do that. But Moses stepped in. He prayed. He interceded for the people. And God changed his mind. So then God does something really amazing. He comes right down to Moses 
in the cloud and he reveals more of who he is. In verse 6, God passes by Moses and introduces himself anew. He says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, I want you to just think for a moment about people that you have had in your life um, that have been in authority over you, like people that you've had to answer to before. Could be like a teacher or a boss um, or even those in power like policemen or our politicians. Now, Dan and I did go to high school together, as some of you know, and we had this teacher and he was, like, he was awful. He was like, he went out of his way to try and get people in trouble. Like, he would get up early in the morning and go to the local shopping centre at the bus stop to try and catch people doing the wrong thing in their uniform. Like, he was just, like, he was mean. He was nasty. It was really hard to respect him with somebody, like, he was just somebody who was just mean and just out to get you. Don't you think that your attitude toward the rules changes depending on the person who's making or enforcing the rules? If that person in authority is really unreasonable and mean, like that teacher that I won't name in case for some reason they find this on the internet, you're less likely to want to follow the rules of a mean person. But if it's somebody who you know has your best interests at heart, who is kind and fair, then you'll be more likely to trust them and do what they're asking, won't you? God isn't a tyrant in the sky making demands at us. He is a loving father. He comes from a place of wanting to have relationship with us. As someone who always has the best in mind for us. And here he comes and he introduces himself showing them who he is so the Israelites can be sure of who they are making this covenant with. So if you don't know God today, he wants to introduce himself to you. And if you already know him, then this is a good reminder of who he really is. Let's break this down. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He is compassionate. Now, this word compassion in the Hebrew has action attached to it. It's not just a feeling. It involves him actively showing his compassion and mercy to us. He is merciful. In some translations, it uses the word gracious. He showers us with his grace, favour and delight. It says, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Slow to anger means that God is very patient. And when he does eventually get angry, it is because he is filled with unfailing love. That love includes justice. God's anger is always a result of sin. And that anger is fueled by love towards us, his creation, who he knows we're only hurt by sin. And he's faithful. 
This word for faithfulness also embodies truth, stability, reliability and steadiness. We can all have full faith and trust in God, in his justice and in his love. Verse 7, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin. Now, often people have this picture, this perception of God, um, that the Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God. That in the Old Testament, he's full of vengeance and wrath and anger. But here we see in black and white that God lavishes us with unfailing love. Not just a little bit of love, but like he pours it out. And it's not a conditional love, but an enduring, loyal, committed and generous love. And he extends forgiveness. Says here, forgiveness of iniquity or wickedness could be another word, rebellion and sin. And he is a just God. That justice is a part of his goodness, that he is holy and true. And therefore, he has to adhere to his own laws of right and wrong. I want you to note here as well, his extension of blessing far outweighs his holding others accountable. Do you see that? The thousands versus three or four. I also want to make a note here. Um, So when we fall into sin, we step out from under God's protection and blessing. Like if we use the idols as an example... When we place an idol, which is anything that we place above God, if you think of God's, like when when he's our God, we're sitting under his umbrella of love, protection, covenant. When we're in sin, he allows them to then be over us. Whatever that thing is, because we've stepped out from under his umbrella and we've placed something else of greater importance over him. So he can no longer be over us. Does that make sense? Now, here, and that's free will, by the way. God allows that. He allows us to choose who will be our God. And if it's not him, it's always something else. Always. Now, what that can look like in a practical sense, if we don't repent, that is, turn away from those things and re-establish God as Lord over our lives, then that can affect not just us, but our children, our families, those in the generations after us. Now, I feel like that's what this passage is talking about. Our sin doesn't just affect us. So I want to ask you, this image that we've seen here, that God has presented himself as, does that, is that in line with your perspective of God? Is there something that you need to reframe in your thinking about him? Do you trust that he's good? We've sung about it this morning. It always amazes me how God works out, like the team didn't know what I was going to be speaking on. God works that out. We've been singing of his character and his nature and his goodness already. Okay, so now knowing who God really is and what his character is like, 
God then re-establishes the commandments or the terms of the covenant with his people, the vows. All right, let's jump to verse 10. The Lord replied, listen, I'm making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today. So God promises more to them that he'll perform miracles and he'll display his awesome power, but only if they listen carefully to everything he commands. But this word here for listen actually also means obey. This word, you can't separate the hearing from the doing. So when he says listen, it's not just hear it and walk off continuing on, which is sometimes what children do. If you have children, you know that. It's not that. Imagine that. Imagine having children that always do as well (laughs) in heaven. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, that's only Jesus. So true. Then God outlays some more specific commandments. The ones he mentions here are like extensions of the Ten Commandments that were given in Exodus 20. There are the ten that we all know, and then God breaks it down a bit and gets a bit more specific about some things. The ones that he mentions here, I'm not going to read all of them, but um, they're similar to the ones that are set out in the chapters after 20, where there's yeah, a, whole, a whole lot of elaboration. If you haven't gone to read Exodus 20, I encourage you to go do that this week too. Now, I'm sure that most of us at some point in our lives, and perhaps even now, we have thought of the Ten Commandments of a set of rules that restrict us and can sometimes make life boring. But what if we looked at some of God's commandments with a positive lens instead of the you shall not? How do you think you would feel about them then? So I'm going to flip it a bit for you. Now, I'm just going to be clear. This is not the Lord speaking. This is my, my thoughts of what I believe to be God's heart and character for his people. So this is like hypothetical. I'm not going to read um, all of the commandment that God gave, but I'm going to flip it. So the commandment in verse 12 here, be careful never to make a treaty. Imagine God framing it like this. I want to protect you from those who don't know me and follow false gods. I don't want you to get swept away or deceived. It won't be good for you. I want the best for you. I want you to trust in me so that I can be the one to look after you. Imagine the commandment from verse 18. Please don't forget where you've come from, that you used to be slaves and now you are free. I want you to remember all the miraculous things I did for you in rescuing you from Egypt. And I want to make sure your kids know all that I did too, so that they can also trust that I'll look after them going forward. I also want you to feast and celebrate. And the one from verse 21 about a Sabbath. 
even in your busiest seasons, I'm going to make sure that you get regular time off. And it won't even affect your productivity. How good is that? I want to make sure that you get enough rest and enough time with your family and your loved ones. Maybe this week you can go back to the ones in Exodus 20 and you can do that for yourself. Look at them with a fresh lens of God's love for you. Remember the commandments were not given as a series of legal requirements to earn God's favour with. They were vows on a wedding day, followed because of the love, trust and commitment between two parties, God and his people. Our God is a good God. He's a good father. And everything he does is for our good and because he loves us. He has a way that he has created things to be and an order and an ideal that's not for his benefit but for ours. And the amazing thing is when we live that way, he gets the glory too. All right, so we're up to verse 27. Let's read on. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down all these instructions, for they represent the terms of the covenant I am making with you and with Israel. Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. As Dan said earlier, we are in our 40-day fast. Today is day seven. And it's a season where we are being intentional about prioritising time with God, learning about who he is, who we are in him and what he has for us. Now, when you're fasting, the idea is that you're abstaining from something and then replacing that thing with time with God. That could be prayer, reading his word, worship. So I think it's very fitting that here in chapter 34, Moses spent 40 days with God face-to-face up the mountain. In verse 29, it says that Moses had been visibly changed after being with the Lord, that his face glowed. It shone so much that people were afraid and he had to cover it up. Being in God's presence changes us. I wonder, is there evidence in your life that you have been in the Lord's presence this week? My prayer is that by the end of these 40 days, all of us will be changed as individuals and as a church family. I'm going to invite the team to come up now. Now, this offer of relationship with God is still open to us today. There's still a covenant in place but the terms have just changed a bit. Instead of relying on our ability to keep the law, which we can't do, 
We put our trust in the only one who has ever been able to keep it, and that's Jesus. Because the truth is we all need a saviour. None of us would ever be able to keep the law. The Israelites lived under what we now call the old covenant, based around God's people following God's commands. And when they couldn't, they had to offer an animal as a sacrifice to pay the price for sin. What we get to live in now is the new covenant. It's based on Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, taking on the sin of the world once and for all. For anyone who says, yes, I want to trust in Jesus, I need him to stand in my place. It's based on grace. Remember God's nature from earlier on in the chapter? He's gracious and loving and willing to forgive. But in his justice, someone had to pay the price. And that person was Jesus. That doesn't mean that we forget the original commands. That's still the way God wants us to live. And in fact, when Jesus was here on earth, he summed up those 10 commandments into two commands. In Matthew 22, he said, love God and love others. That's all of it summed up in two things. That's what he calls us to do today. And when we miss the mark, we say, thank you, Jesus, that you've made a way for us to still be in relationship with God, that there is grace, and that when we ask for forgiveness, the answer is always yes. So today is our response. We get to share in communion together. I'm going to ask the ushers, to the servers to come forward now. Each time we share in communion Together, we remember God's love and desire to be in relationship with us. That He has a way for us to live, a way He wants us to walk with Him. Today, we get to renew our covenant with Him by accepting Jesus as the one who died for our sin in our place. So on the night before Jesus died, he took the cup. He was with his disciples in the upper room and he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, a new covenant poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. So that's what we're going to do here this morning. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to accept him and what he did for you to stand in your place, to be right with God, you can come and receive. I'm going to pray and then the team are going to lead us in a song and then you can come forward and receive. We like to eat the bread together but hold on to the cup because we like to drink that together as a family. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we don't want to minimise what you did for us. That you came to earth fully God, yet fully man. You willingly came and you lived and you died 
to pay the price for us, God. You've paid it for people that won't even accept it. And you did it willingly, God. Thank you that you rose again, which gives us hope of new and eternal life with you. Lord Jesus, we want to remember you this morning. We want to remember what you've done for us. But we also want to take this as a sign of our covenant with you, God, that we want to be your people. We want to walk with you as our Lord and our Saviour. We thank you, Lord. Just pray your blessing over this meal as we share it together now, as your people and as a family, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.